This is my little corner of the comic book podcasting universe. Capital Comic, Nexus Volume 2, Issue 2. <coughs> Excuse me. Dated July 1983. The story is I, Clausius. If you do want to send me any feedback about this story or any others that I have been talking about, Teal Productions on Facebook is the Facebook page. You can leave comments there. Teal Productions also on Twitter. Either place, Teal is T-E-A-L, like the color. I am Indieman at gmail.com is the email address, and that's I-N-D-I-E, Indie, and the website. Comicbooknoise.com slash TNC, Tango November Charlie, if you want to leave a comment on the website. Now, this book was scripted for us by Mr. Mike Barron, penciled and inked by Steve the Dude Rude, colors by Les Dorscheid, mm, new name, lettered by Mary Pulliam, and designed by Karen Pruce, among other things. She's also, I believe, an assistant editor, if I recall. But now this Les Dorscheid thing. Yes, last issue was the first full-color issue, the first issue of Volume 2. And it was colored for us by George Freeman. George had other things he had to do. And subsequently, there is a, a noticeable difference in the coloring, but it's not necessarily one that I would characterize as good or bad just different. Now, the cover was completely done for us by Mr. Rude once again. The pencils and inks and colors are all by Steve, and it looks like this might be another, excuse me, Mr. Rude or Steve Rude. I don't know him well enough to call him Steve. Not yet. Maybe a couple more issues. It looks like it's another painting that he probably did. Now, this story can be found in the Nexus Legends second issue from First Comics, 1989. Nexus issue one from Dark Horse, 1993. And the Nexus Archives number one, Dark Horse 2006. If you're not able to get a hold of the actual issues, and these can be found right at about cover price. Uh, So there really shouldn't be a problem if you want to acquire the color issues. Now, the black and white magazine size issues, those are a little trickier to find. Those may be going for 15 or more a piece if you can find any. So on the cover, we have a big green dude with some kind of metallic whip looking thing holding a rather beat up nexus on the ground his uniform torn and at the bottom of the cover you can see what appears to be the active part of this whip coming off the handle that big greenie here is holding it kind of disappears but it more than likely is this wrapping that is wrapped around nexus's arm and underneath him where he's laying on the floor here now the back cover as it's a gatefold cover has a much thinner yellow toned like very sickly yellow tone nexus has yellow in his uniform and it's a very bright yellow this yellow looks a lot like the yellow uh, that the dude was colored on the um, Sin City TV show. That sickly kind of looking yellow. You know, the dude that ended up losing his giblets there in the fight. Um, And this yellow dude is sitting in a chair that is levitating with his arm extended and his thumb down like the emperors of Rome would do in the gladiatorial to denote to uh, dispatch whomever was on the losing side. Inside, we have another editorial 
telling us, uh, I, I pulled some interesting things out of here. Um, first of all, they told us about the change in coloring, col- col- colorers, which initiated a change in coloring. They mentioned that there was an article in Amazing Heroes 17, which I'm going to have to track down, because what that means is that Nexus was talked about in Amazing Heroes issues 16, 17, and 18, or 17, 18, and 19, or something like that. Three consecutive issues around about 17. So I'm going to have to hunt those up and see what it was that was occurring that they kept coming back and, and doing another another article. Also, uh, recently I've taken quite an interest in fan publications about comic books and magazines about comic books and about the creators and the process and the companies and things like that. The, the more... Um, Pardon, pardon the phrase if you're not familiar with it. It's it's something that has stuck with me since I was a kid. Inside Baseball used to be a TV show. Um, but the, the Inside Baseball of comic books. And here is one called The Lone Star Express. And it had it says a lengthy interview with Mike and Steve in their 121st issue. Now, I think Lone Star Express was a store publication put out by Lone Star Comics in who is the store and, by extension, the gentleman behind MyComicShop.com. For me, that's particularly interesting because a lot of the back issues that I've gotten over the past couple years, I've gotten from Lone Star Comics. So it sent me down a little rabbit hole there as I was looking at it. Um, Nexus has an appearance in E-Man number 7, according to this, which is a spoof appearance. It's not a, a real thing. And they dropped little blurbs here about the upcoming Badger and Whisper books. In Daisha, as usual, regular people named as uh, contributing. Richard Brunning, I don't believe I've mentioned his name as the art director. I might have way back, but I haven't since. And then the first actual story page. I, Clausius, is the title of the story. Now, I apologize for reading to you, but bear with me. I'll read it the best I can. This is the best summation of the book from the book itself of the previous issue. Excuse me again. Nexus took Sundra out to dinner on Earth, where their meal was interrupted by the arrival of Judah Maccabee, an independent adjudicator, some would call him a costume vigilante, with powers and cause patterned after Nexus himself. Anxious to forestall a scene that might ruin their dinner, Nexus interrupted Judah, a.k.a. the Hammer, as he was about to kill a human scum, and if you don't believe he had it coming, see last issue. Confronted with Nexus himself, Judah fell to his knees in awe. Their friendship was confirmed with the startling discovery that Judah was Dave's son, rescued from the hell of Thune and raised by Hasidic rabbis. Now, powered by fusion energy transferred from the heart of a star by 50,000 disembodied heads, freed slaves, Judah had dedicated his life to fighting evil. Judah returned with Nexus and Sundra to Ilum, where Tyrone had persuaded the head former slaves of Suda LeBurk to transfer their fusion power to him. But with Judah's arrival, the heads switched allegiance, leaving Tyrone on Ilum. Judah departed at once to confront Clausius, the most notorious telekinetic slaver in the galaxy, and the source of the mass butchery which produced the head. Two weeks later, Judah's ship returned. When the hatch opened, the headless body of Judah Maccabee descended. Dave fainted. Tyrone threw up. Nexus vowed vengeance. And that, yeah, is is pretty much it. So we are on the planetoid 
asteroid here that Clausius used, and his um, number one here has stepped up and is getting his attention to tell him that Nexus is coming. However, the big green dude from the cover, Clausius is the yellow colored dude from the cover. Bellows, who is the big green dude from the cover, comes up and he himself is powered and and kills the gentleman, uh, see his name was Scholes, S-C-H-O-L-Z, who was simply bringing a message to Clausius. And uh, Clausius kind of fusses at him, but then tells him to go get ready because he knows that Nexus is coming. Now, interesting thing immediately in my mind about Bellows is it reminds me of a character uh, from Kamiko comics in in drawing. And this was one of the first, like, two or three books that Kamiko put out. And the name of the character, I believe, was Az, A-Z. I believe that was the character. So any of you that are a little bit longer in the tooth and remember that like I do, I believe the, the first several books were like Az, like Slaughterman, and, and Grendel were like the first three books, something like that. Az was that big yellow blobbish-looking dude from Kamiko. Here, very similar body structure. The dude is kind of a green, a mucousy green color, bright fluorescent mucousy green rather. So we cut back to the um, Nexus mobile, the Helpopian ship here. We've got Nexus, Dave, and Tyrone on there. They're making plans. Nexus is basically saying, when we get close enough, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to go look for Clausius. Dave and Tyrone, you guys go looking for Judah and see if you can find him to free him. We switch back to Ilum, where we see that Ursula is working out, uh, trying to recover from the computer explosion that she recently was victim to. And up pops Sundra, giving her some verbal grief. So Ursula dismisses the uh, step-and-fetch-it dude that she's talking to here. Um, I apologize if that is uh, poor wording, if anyone is offended by that. I, I didn't mean that. It's the her, uh, yeah, valet. There's the word. Her valet, I guess, is what he would be. I don't believe he's been given a name yet, but so she dismisses him and Ursula and Sundra have a conversation that quickly, well, no, not yet. I'm sorry. Uh, they, they have some, some verbal and physical jousting here between the two of them. Later on, Ursula finds way into Nexus's room and steals some of the liquid from his back to tank. Here is where fighting ensues. And the very first thing that happens is Sundra, as she steps up, is reading a book and uses it to block a missile attack launched by Ursula. The title of the book is X-Factor. Now, I believe that means unknown factor, you know, and X-Factor. Not the Marvel comic book, because I believe this was 83. This was probably several years, 85, 86, before uh, X-Factor came out from Marvel. So they're not there. I, I don't believe this is any kind of Easter egg towards that, but they do show us rather plainly circle with an X in it and then underneath the word factor as the title of the book. So uh, so a fight here ensues um, back and forth, back and forth. We see until finally Ursula manages to choke out Sundra and then calls Ursula, calls her people and tells them to warm up the teleporter that they're getting ready to ship the traitor home for trial referring to Sundra. Back on the Nexus Mobile here, they're vacating the ship, getting into the facility, the base that Clausius is using. Nexus flies through an area that is just, it's its obviously a trap, you know, it's its set up like a come-this-way kind of hallway and everything. And sure enough, he comes to this room where Clausius, with a couple attendants, is sitting here waiting for him. A couple of attendants. Yes, okay. Didn't know if I said that right. Nexus and Clausius exchange words, and while they 
are jibing each other, we see this bam, bam getting bigger and louder as something is getting closer. And finally, it's Bellows, who also has access to uh, the energy being given off by multiple disembodied heads. He is much, much stronger than Nexus because he is much, much closer to the source of his energy. And so because of that, he absorbs Nexus's first radiant blast and then proceeds to beat the poo-poo out of Nexus all over the place. Meanwhile, Clausius is in the background or over to the side or somewhere, constantly telling Bellows, watch out for his head, save his head, don't hurt his head, because he's going to uh, decapitate Nexus after he's defeated and use his head to help power uh, some of the, the stuff that he's got going on. But just page after page, broken ribs, probably a damaged spine, uh, just constant. Finally, he throws him across the room and Nexus bashes his head against the wall. Clausius says something one time too many because Bellows turns to him and zaps him with his power. Interestingly enough, the dude doesn't seem to get upset about this, which kind of surprised. Continuing to beat on uh, Nexus for a few few other panels. Pardon me if I am uh, moderately distracted every now and then. I have the TV on with the volume down and they're uh, doing the funeral for uh, General Colin Powell, and I was quite fond of him, and it keeps drawing my attention. I should have turned it off, but the remote is too far away now. I apologize. Thank you for bearing with me. So we're inside the ship Chapter 2, not the ship, the base that Clausius uses, and we catch up with Dave and Tyrone. Tyrone jumps out, and with a couple uh, two-handed blasters here, he head shoots a couple of the guards, just clean, zip-zip right through the heads. And Dave's like, dog, we could have maybe questioned them if they'd have been alive. And Tyrone's like, ah, we don't need them alive. We know where to go. So Tyrone is rather bloodthirsty. And that, that caused problems in the first miniseries because in a very similar situation, he was killing people who were trying to get into Ilum. And when Nexus found out, he got kind of upset. Well, because of that, Tyrone had asked Nexus on the ship as they were going to Claudius's base, can can people die? And Nexus told him, well, I, I don't care. You know, d do whatever you want. So they find the first repository of heads, and it is just banks and banks and banks of heads in these uh, semi-fishbowl-type platter-holding cases lining the walls. And they have this machine that they're using to extract the mental juice that these guys are producing and also link them together, making the quote-unquote battery stronger and stronger and stronger. And yeah, I guess my reference to the Colin Powell funeral will kind of date this when I finally post these, won't it? Eh, oh well. Back to Ilum. We are looking over Ursula, gloating verbally over Sundra. Ursula sends her valet, man, I'm having trouble remembering that word, to get the recording device that Sundra uses. And we know, we've already seen it once before, that it is uh, perhaps more than just a recording device. Well, as soon as he touches it, I guess it realizes that it's not Sundra, and it flies away almost in an intelligent or semi-intelligent manner. It is trying to escape this guy. So it's zipping, whipping around, and finally it flies into the room that Musro uses. And there's a message on the screen that says Sundra needs assistance. Now, Musro is the little guy that Nexus took in from the, I believe, the very first issue that after 
killing the factory, uh, not the factory owner, the um, general. When he went back to his ship, when Nexus went back to his ship, somebody was scrolling graffiti on there, and it was this little dude, Musro. So Musro now has her, looks like a tricorder from Star Trek, to be honest with you. But uh, he's got this little pseudo tricorder and is running away now to get help. But the valet grabs him and they fall to the floor. Subsequently, the device gets tossed into the air and falls into the hands of a female with a very long prehensile tail and a a big, big uh, bouffant hairdo. Her name is Jill. So the valet attempts to get the device from Jill, but using her tail and some martial prowess that she possesses, particularly using her tail, uh, she subdues the valet, and she and Musro and the little tricorder jobby go to try to find Sundra. Well, Ursula's contingent tells Jill and Musro that Sundra has been sent to Earth. And so immediately, Jill decides that she's going to Earth. Now, well, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that there for right now. Back to Clausius' world, we have Tyrone just going ape poo all over everybody, just kicking butt and taking names, not even taking names, just kicking butt. Dave gets jumped by somebody, and finally, he himself has to do something physical, which he has kind of avoided doing. You can tell that Dave has a much more uh, pacifistic attitude than what Tyrone does when it comes to physicality. Now, Dave is all about doing what they're doing because he's trying to find his son, so... That's, you know, that's his motivation is finding his son. Tyrone, I think his motivation is just to beat the crap out of people. I think he just digs that. Shoot him in the head, too. That's, that's what he did with the group in the first miniseries. Shot him in the head. So they take a second, catch their breath, get down to the floor of this huge, um, are- uh, not arena-like, but the um, like a tiered amphitheater, only instead of the tiers to sit on, it is racks of these heads is, is kind of what it is. So they're down at the bottom of that. Tyrone grabs up one of the helmets and he's going to talk to the head, but the... Um, keep them alive juice that's inside all drains out when he rips the the container off and so the head subsequently dies that quick well grabbing up that goo dripping container dave puts it over his head to communicate to to become one with the group to hopefully mentally communicate with the group to locate his son which he's able to do through some rather pain of his own it seems and tells tyrone that his son is in another room he's not in this so they go to the other room where they find judah and free him and he starts buzzing around flying around on his little platter screaming, I live, I live in Nexus lies near death. And and so they put the uh, helmet back on him with, with goo to help preserve him, keep him alive. And so Dave and Tyrone and the head of Judah, or maybe this is all of Judah. I don't know. I mean, it's just his head. Is that enough to just call him Judah and not just the head of Judah? I, I don't know. But head platter fishbowl over it kind of so this time judah plugs into the network and convinces all of the heads to free themselves you know he he's telling them to free their mind don't be so shallow if they're colorblind the rest will follow uh, yeah sorry if you recognize that good on you so we cut back to clausius and bellows bellows is continuing just to wail on nexus and mid wail he realizes that all his juice is gone and somehow 
Um, Nexus realizes it too, which I'm I'm a little confused on because because of the beating, Nexus would not have been of very sound mind to have uh, been able to intuit what was going on. You know, he was semi, quasi, barely, whatever word, conscious. So how he was able to turn the tables as soon as Bellows had stopped, I don't know, but he did unleashing an energy blast that knocks Bellows around, much to the uh, chagrin of Clausius, which we can see on his face here in one panel. Nexus turns, and now it's his time to start beating the poo out of Bellows. Clausius runs off, runs to his yacht, pulls out his remote control to hit the destruct on his base, but Dave has found the destruct mechanism and has unplugged it, and so the base that Clausius was using is safe. Now here, uh, something uh, also that I, I noticed a little earlier on. When they were on the spaceship approaching Clausius's HQ, Nexus, Dave, and Tyrone looking at a, uh, like a view screen. Tyrone was sitting there, leaned over, eating a banana. I don't know why. Dave is the more simian look to. So I don't, I don't know why Tyrone is eating a banana, but he is so laid back that that's what he's doing. Now, as they're sitting here helping Nexus recover, Dave is kneeling, administering to Nexus. Tyrone is laying beside Nexus, all stretched out, his head propped up on his hand as he's laying on the floor. Very, very casual um, affectation, very casual attitude that uh, Tyrone has. It, it, it really... Duck out to me. I, I thought it was is funny. So they're talking back and forth, Dave and, Hora and, and uh, Nexus, Horatio, whichever you want to use, uh, catching each other up on what each other knows. You know, uh, Bellows, Clausius, information from Nexus, Judah, information from Dave. In the final sequence, we cut to Earth. Uh, we see that Sundra is before a tribunal of one person. The tribunal is asking if you have counsel. And she says, huh? I said, do you have counsel? If not, counsel will be appointed by the court. And off to the side in the next panel, someone says, she has counsel, your honor. And we see the next panel, it's Jill with Mesro. Now, Mesro didn't leave with her. That's what I started to say before, but stop. It was just Jill that took off to find a ship to go to Earth. Mesro was being held back by one of the other people living on Islam. But now, Mesro is with her on this panel. I'm curious to see if Mesro is with her in the story. We'll, we'll see. End of story. Nexus number three. The New Color Nexus number three by Baron and Rue. In issue number three, as he tries to free Sundra from the charge of treason, Nexus faces a terrifying foe. The cohesive web's judicial bureaucracy. Nexus' second visit to the home planet turns into a riot. A media blitz. A news event of the first magnitude. Billions of persons, human and otherwise, view the costumed vigilante as a palimpset. Palimpsest. Palimpsest. Against which, I have no idea what that word, against which they project their own hidden fears and desires. Something reused or altered, but still bearing visible traces of its earlier form. That's the definition of palimpsest. I'm not quite sure how that applies. Okay. As Sundra faces possible life imprisonment, Nexus must decide whether to form an alliance with the web or turn his back on Earth forever. Coming in July. And we have an image here that could be a cover image. Uh, looks like someone has melted through a wall, and on one side of the wall is a series of troops. On the other side of the wall is Nexus and Sundra fighting uh, the same kind of troops, only 
a different set. Light Years Ahead, available at your favorite comic shop or order from Capital Comics. See page 31 for ordering information. This is page 26 of the book. Next page, we have a quick bio from Mike Barron in text. It says, next issue, Steve Rude. Full page ad coming from Capital Comics. This is a an open uh, face. On the left side is the Badger ad, which is what I am looking at here. On the right side is an ad for Whisper. Uh, very different. The Badger is very visual with a three-quarter page art of him with just some text down here at the bottom third, whereas the majority of the Whisper is text with a headshot black and white by way of a photograph and a colored drawing of Whisper herself down here that takes up maybe 15% of the page. A two-page advertisement for the Nexus Fan Club. Went over that last issue still. Still pretty much the same stuff. Um, still no Nexus Volume 1, Issue 1 available. They, they just, I guess they sold out of them. They don't have any. The Nexus Portfolio ad on the next page. Six original black and white duotone plates. That's what the uh, portfolio is. $15 for that. Limited edition of 2,000 signed and numbered by Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Featuring stunning illustrations of Nexus, Dave of Thune, and Sandra Peel along with debut appearances of two new Capital characters. So that'll be Whisper and Badger, which is, I just count five. So uh, the sixth, there must also be more of Nexus and Sandra, Sandra in there. And I've looked those up, and um, if you can find them, unless you're being gouged, they go for about anywhere from 15 to 25 bucks for the set also. So roughly cover price, roughly. And let's see, you got those from Madison, Wisconsin, Capital Publications. So that's the home base for, for Capital. And then the final ad is an ad for Fantastic Films, the magazine of imaginative media. And that'll be the inside back cover there. So that is issue two of the second volume of uh, Nexus from Capital Comics. The next book up for looking at discussion-est kind of coverage is issue three. And then I believe after issue three will be the first, yes, the first issue of the first volume of Badger. So kind of looking forward to that. I've heard and seen uh, Badger. I know uh, someone that I have followed for a long time, Mike Norton, drew Badger for a little bit. So I'm looking forward to, to that. I know the concept behind the character, but I have never read any of uh, his comics so that'll be cool but first issue three we need to go to earth and rescue sundra or do something to get her out of the predicament she's in that's what we will do next time ciao guys